Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Ned Simons, Martha Gill, and of course, Paul War. This week, we'll be talking about Brexit, grammar schools, UB40, and housing. That's right, I did say UB40. But let's kick off with the greatest constitutional change this country is facing for more than 40 years. When Theresa May entered Downing Street for the first time as Prime Minister in July, we were told that Brexit means Brexit. Anyone hoping for more detail to emerge after summer were left a bit disappointed this week. Here's the PM being asked about Brexit in China. Well, the reason I've been saying Brexit means Brexit is precisely because it does. Hoping for some more clarity, uh, Brexit Secretary David Davis in the Commons on Monday said this. People want to know what Brexit will mean. <laughs> simply, simply, simply it means leaving the European Union. So, I don't feel like we've really moved on from Brexit means Brexit, other than being told Brexit means leaving the European Union. I, I mean, I, I took that as a red. <laughs> I mean, someone else would say this week, we're not, we're not leaving Europe. And it's like, well, yeah, we, we're, we're not going to become our own continent, are we? So, <laughs> where, where are we? Where are we, guys? Well, what was interesting was that, try as we might to pin Theresa May down on, on what it really does mean, um, it was David Davis who gave us a few more clues than usual. And that's why the statement on Monday really mattered. She was away, he was in the hot seat, and actually he did tell us that this blinding obvious point, which is that it means we're not in the European Union. Now, the reason that it might be obvious, but it's important, is because both... Uh, Owen Smith and lots of other pro-Europeans keep saying, look, there's a chance we could have a second referendum, that actually we haven't really left Europe and we might not leave Europe. So it's really important for them to say, look, the people have spoken. That's all Brexit means Brexit means, really. The people have spoken, we are leaving. But also, David Davis and the PM made clear that it's going to be all about a cut in migration. Anything beyond that is now for the next sort of couple of years to work out anything beyond that, and it's going to be quite complicated. I, mean, I spoke to a couple of Tory MPs during the week, and, and they were saying what we've got to get their head around is imagine we've already left the EU and we're going back into it to try and get what we want. So all this, are we going to stay in the single market? Oh, we have that. So that's completely the wrong way of thinking about it. Imagine we've got a blank piece of paper and we're trying to go back into the EU. And I think that's where the Labour Party are different at the moment because they're trying to cling on to what we've already got. I thought the Tories were saying, no, no, forget that. We've got nothing. We've got nothing. We're going to start again. That's a good way of approaching it. And certainly that seems to be the way, crucially, the Chancellor, not just DD, is approaching this. It um, seems that the Philip Hammond, who is very keen on obviously not losing our city of London and financial industry to the rest of Europe um, and very keen on keeping trade going, um, 
is on board with this idea. He was a Remainer, don't forget. And he yeah, made, so was Theresa May. No, absolutely, but he he Just wasn't about. as much of a reluctant Remainer as she was. He was out there doing the George Osborne thing, saying, look, you know, there's a massive risk here. And it's obvious he still thinks there's a massive risk, and we're not out of the woods yet. But he, um, I know from businesses who've been talking to him, saying, look... The people have spoken, we agree with you, we're in the same place as politicians, and we want to see how we can make this work now. So even all those big companies that were really on the barricades during the referendum saying, look, this would be a disaster, even they are now saying, look, let's try and find a way and make it work. One of the things which, which I found really interesting is talking to Tory MPs who advocated Brexit, and this Australian-style point system, which Theresa May's ruled out. And when you speak to Tory MPs and they say... I said, well, why should this happen? They said, oh, because under that system, you can't control the numbers. And it's just wrong. You can. The Australian High Commissioner to the UK was in Parliament on Monday, and he said every year we decide how many um, visas we're going to issue, that we issue them, and when that ceiling gets hit, that ceiling gets hit. So it's strange that the, the people campaigning don't even know what system they were talking about. Well, isn't that the point? Because they're saying, obviously, Australia has um, got its point system. They want more people to come in, but they just set the bar higher. Exactly. They, just, they let more people come in yeah. and they decide. So it is a bit weird, you're right, that they decided, or they say, oh, that's, you know, it doesn't and count. And even Labour MPs who were sort of Remainers, I spoke with a couple of Labour MPs this week who said, do you know what? When you look at the Australian positive system, it kind of, works for us gives us everything we need I'm like hold on a minute you, you're lying with Farage here guys when, when did that start happening so are we suggesting that maybe they don't know what they're doing is well that, no I mean, I mean that's not is for it me possibly to say. the case that um, they don't actually know what their what their plan is I think part of the problem is obviously that you know there's a big negotiation going on one of the problems we've got as as reporters and one of the problems the public have got is trying to find out what's really going on and also business too you know what is really going on um, what sort of plan and when we're going to see it and I think what's What's really interesting is that um, so far there are the signs of the old Theresa May at Home Office where she, and we'll see this on grammars later, she likes to devise policy behind closed doors. She likes to keep things tight and, 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 you know, not many people knowing when she's working on a policy. And then when it's fully baked, there you go, big ta-da, and she pronounces it. It's not quite like that when you're Prime Minister. You have to iterate things. You have to, you know, respect the fact that the public want to know what's going on. And she can't be what she looks like she's going to be, which is a submarine Prime Minister, not just a submarine Chancellor, popping up when she wants to and then going below the surface again. But, of course, there's a massive advantage to not giving away too much about uh, the position the position on Brexit because all the opposition parties are just waiting for that moment. So then they can say, well, actually, Brexit means this and yeah. this is what this is what everyone wanted. And definitely that's what UKIP is looking to do. That's what Labour should do. And uh, there's also talk of this uh, sort of right-wing momentum sort of brewing the remains of Leave.eu, which, which again, is going gonna, is gonna to definitely try and hammer the government on whatever they just finally decide Brexit means. And that's why I think it was actually bad politics, not just bad policy for Theresa May to rule out a points-based system because she could have said, we're going to have a points-based system, we're going to have the British points-based system. It didn't even be a points-based system, we just call it that. And then it would have completely negated all the UK voters and we voted for a points-based system. Yeah, we got you one. It looks different. Yeah, but it still is one. And I think that that was, for me, was slightly weird politics. I don't quite know. Maybe you want to show, you know, you want to show Boris Johnson your boss I thought it was a bit weird, but one person who does seem to have a view about what Brexit is is Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> hey, turns out he's been thinking of what life would be like outside the EU. Who would have thunk it? And his version of it, as we as it was sort of revealed yesterday, was that he wants Britain to have access to the single market but not be a member of it. And a lot of Labour MPs and I went, What? That's like that's kind of what 
Brexit is a saying, why are you saying this now? And maybe that's why he didn't campaign quite so hard well, in the yeah, referendum. I, mean, I think that's, you know, yesterday showed more than ever just the way Jeremy Corbyn thinks about European Union. And, you know, he's always been a long campaign about the fact that he thinks state aid rules, you know, don't allow nationalised services and industries. Um, now, some people say that, on, for example, the NHS on TTIP, you know, some people on the left got it completely wrong. The TTIP isn't a real threat to the NHS in any meaningful sense. And that it's all been overblown, the idea that Brussels wants to privatise everything. But boy, has that got a lot of currency on the left and crucially in the Labour selectorate and we're in a Labour leadership election. So I don't think necessarily it'll do him that much harm. Owen Smith rolled the dice and thought, right, let's go for a big second referendum. A lot of people who are really annoyed, the 48% who voted Remain will be really annoyed and they'll get rid of Corbyn. It hasn't worked out that way. And curiously, I mean, Martha's right, you know, and you're right when it comes to this Labour... Clip that. Can we have that clip? As that's first. Um, the Labour leavers, all those people who, who vote, flirt with UKIP, those Labour voters up in the north, they want some guarantees that what they voted for, they're going to get delivered. And Corbyn, curiously, by saying what he said yesterday, by saying, look, yeah, we're not going to be members of this single market. We're going to try and get access for goods and services. But the stuff we don't like, we don't like in a curious way, is more in touch with Labour voters than the mainstream Labour Party. And also, if there's people in the party, given we're in the leadership election, who don't necessarily or wouldn't have agreed with his position, such as his kind of the power he has over his support, he can take them with him. Like, the people who back him really back him, and he does lead them. If he says something, people who who like him will will often take his position. So it's, I think you're right, smart. And also, he can probably move people in his way towards his argument. And also, to be fair to him, you know, it, it's a bit tabloid to say that he's against the single market, because the single market, it, as Number 10 pointed out in the wake of David Davis's remarks, is uh, actually this enormous thing about regulations and the four pillars of the European Union. It's not just about trade. It's not just about free trade. It's about immigration. It's about all sorts of the, of the other parts of the EU. And Corbyn's saying, look, we can try and cherry pick. Now that we've left, we've made that decision, let's cherry pick what we want. Mm. And curiously, you're seeing a sort of mirror of what Number 10 is saying. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, he will, when history books are written on this, uh, you know, are you, are if you there's any particularly are, are you history writing an instant history? Say there might be one come out on October right. the 6th called the Breakfast Club, right. then the Brexit Club. I said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the Brexit Club, then yeah, what's, there's what, quite a lot in there. Labour. How many times you yeah, say yeah, it? Yeah, Brexit Club. What's your, what's yeah. your book called again? It's called the Brexit Club. Not yeah. Breakfast. Not Breakfast. Right. Okay. Breakfast Club. Was it a play on Breakfast Club? Yeah, just clarify. It was a play. Breakfast means Brexit. No, Breakfast. Do you think a lot of people have seen the Breakfast Club? Yeah, 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 my readership. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. this my, room, my mum well, and you. I, well, anyway, let's stop talking about my book. This out. I bet Martha's seat, not seen it. Pre-order. I've no. seen it. See, Martha's not seen it. You're missing. You've the not youth seen the breakfast book. You're missing the youth demographic. Hold on, have you? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I just, yeah, I'd like to confirm that I haven't seen. Yeah, the see, she's a normal young person. She's really not. She's certainly not young. <laughs> anyway, we don't. Forty-eight. Anyway, enough about that. Look, let's. You know, while people are trying to get their head around Brexit people in Parliament, especially the wider political world, were trying to get their head around Jeremy Corbyn's latest press conference. In a move which, let's be honest, surprised everyone, Corbyn announced he had the backing of UB40. Here's a clip. Your band, formed in the late 1970s, during a time of increasing youth unemployment, then went on to become this iconic name, UB40. We sent Ned, we didn't send Ned along, Ned was there anyway, Ned just followed (laughs) Corbyn around. You were there, Ned, when... I mean, he, you know, I mean, 
I felt the earth move when you be when half of you be 40 announced they liked Corbyn. <laughs> and, talk, and the other half didn't. Talk yeah. us through it. Come on, wasn't I mean, it amazing? I've been to a lot of Corbyn events and this this was, I think, the weirdest one. And it's quite a high really? bar of weird. Wow. Yeah. Is... It, it wasn't just that it's UB40, which is, you know, a, a bit of a blast from the past. Some might say much like Corbyn himself. Oh, so, you know, there you go. Political satire yeah. for you. And um, <laughs> it was just the whole setting as well. You know, I'm in mean, this kind of underground press briefing room, about 50 people. You've got Corbyn on stage with UB40. They walk in, there's a big kind of applause. And then... Who was applauding? Just, you know, a couple of press officers. Right. And then... Um, <laughs> and reports at the back looked at each other in a sense of kind of dread. And it was weird. Well, the weird thing about it was that it descended into basically Jeremy Corbyn interviewing UB40 <laughs> rather than it being a press conference. And they had a discussion about Birmingham, they had a discussion about what music means to you, how we should be participators in music, not just, you know, observers. It was kind of a, a, a chat show. Yeah. Um, it, it was very, very weird. So I can't wait to hear which band he has, has yeah. next. There's, you know, photos outside like he was the new member. And I don't, quite know what the point was and it wasn't kind of foisted <laughs> on him because as part of the press conference he said it kind of the, the, the gem of this idea was he ran into their manager or one of their their people on Corbyn Street in Islington um, and that's what kind of led to this event. Hold on, he's walking down his so street. Jeremy Corbyn is walking down Corbyn Street in Islington Oh no, is North. it called Corbyn Street? It's called Corbyn Street. It's oh, an actual street. No, no, what? No, sorry. Yeah, there's a street in he... Islington called Corbyn Street. Does he live on it? Ned, you've, you've buried the lead here. <laughs> No, he doesn't live on it. Right. Um, sadly, it's sadly not. Into yeah, Corbyn yeah. Street. Yeah. Which he and walks, which, <laughs> which Jeremy great. Corbyn, which Jeremy Corbyn walks down, up and down. I imagine right. just back and, and forwards. But you know and, what? And, and, and just to, just just yeah. to be a contrary voice in all this. I kind of think on one level it worked. Oh, What's it, the, like, can I just say this? Can I just say I this? For Corbyn's demographic, which is people maybe, not the young people, he's got he's banked the young people, but for reassuring those people who are on his side, who left the Labour Party, all those people who are sort of fed up with Thatcher, etc. UB40, I mean, I was there at the time. I was really I remember, sure. no, Listen, 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 hear me out. UB40 were part of that whole sort of music movement, the sort of Red yeah. Wedge movement, which said, look, you know, the very name says mass unemployment. Yeah. And they spoke to a constituency in Britain that was suffering. And you can tell there's a certain nostalgia from Corbyn. And he's thinking he's appealing to all those people who remember fondly UB40 songs. And the fact that, don't forget, they were like the specials, they were mixed race group you know from Birmingham they spoke with different accents from most normal uh, sort of mainstream pop politicians they were different and you can see he's thinking right a lot of people for, who, who remember that period and this is going to secure the vote so, <laughs> okay, 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 can, I just, can I just say, can I just, say? I, mean, can I just say one thing about that right I, if I take your logic right surely you'd associate yourself with a band that was around when Labour was in power not when Labour was no, out of power that's and, where you get and, Corbyn and, wrong and Corbyn is driven uh, by opposition and there's two things well, so I think Paul's right the nostalgia point was very apparent you could tell he was absolutely loving it because he was on stage with this band for reasons like Paul says that he felt also speak to a a, a wider truth he sees about society but I think nostalgia is interesting it's, it was all nostalgia there was yeah. nothing forward looking about it there was not much about what's current it was very much about looking back and kind of self-indulging yeah. in a way not about him but about the, you know the, the, his movement and also one other point I forgot to mention was which was amazing was behind them was this big screen that said hashtag UB for Corbyn but UB40, it was unemployment benefit. So that sign said unemployment benefit for Corbyn. <laughs> which very good. somehow <laughs> slipped through. I just want to be, because you talked there about nostalgia and backward looking 
politics. And this week, we, re- we discovered that the Tories are going to bring back grammar schools. Oh, so it's quite nice, isn't it? Because basically, segue. I mean, this is the grammar schools for the Tories, are like the NHS to Labour and PR to Lib Dems. It's their it's their go to subject whenever they want to feel good about themselves and yeah. they want this. Oh, what can we talk about? Let's talk about grammar schools because we've all got an opinion on it. It's great. Um, the issue came up when a um, keen eyed photographer spotted an official had forgotten to cover up a document on his way into Downing Street, which revealed the government was considering opening up new grammar schools. Theresa May confirmed she was considering the plan in a meeting with Tory MPs on Wednesday. And today, Labour brought the Education Secretary to the Commons to grill her on the proposal. Here is grill us. No, I don't mean gorilla, as in the animal, <laughs> to grill her on the proposal. Here is Labour's Shadow Education Secretary, Angela Rayner. And perhaps she can tell us the evidence base for it today. Yes. Has she read the IFS report entry into grammar schools in England? If so, perhaps she remembers the conclusion. That, uh, that among high achievers, those who are eligible for free school meals or live in poorer neighbourhoods are significantly less likely to go to grammar school. Good, wasn't she, the dispatch box, I thought? I Angela thought Rayner. it was an impressive debut for a UQ. Yeah, because um, she's, she's um, you know, only elected last year. Absolutely. And she's actually, a lot of people around Corbyn see her as a real risen star, yeah. not just a rising star. And I think you're going to see a lot more of Andrena because she, she you know, I mean, Ned was at the launch mm. with the women's launch last week when she spoke very powerfully about her own background, you know, the fact that her mother is illiterate. Um, you know, she struggled as a young mum. Labour's sure start helped to become a parent. She's, she's actually living proof of how Labour can change people's lives but yeah. on on this point in the in the house she she showed a certain panache as well in taking it to Justin Greening yeah I think also on Rayner as well not to kind of go too far from the grammar school point but it was interesting when all the shadow cabinet or most of them quit and John McDonnell made this point about how oh it's actually a good thing because it allows us to bring through new people which was kind of laughed at quite a lot and I think there is a lot of that is quite funny but I think with Andrew yeah, Rayner that's quite I think with Andrew Rayner that's actually has come true and so I was at an event with her where she spoke about her back Background. And it was very powerful. And I did find myself listening to her properly, which often, you know, you get so used to the same voices, the same type of voice yeah. as political reporters, you kind of can tend to zone out. But I didn't when she was speaking. I think she's yeah, really interested. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Doing she, all the stories. She, she yeah. was very good today. But what was interesting about this whole grammar school debate is, again, as we said earlier, the government are trying to do something behind the scenes, trying to keep it tight and yep. then announce it. And what, thankfully, this great photographer, Steve Baku, who is the skirt of uh, every civil servant who walks in and out of number 10 has this brilliant long lens and more importantly a brilliant eye for a story so other photographers don't do it as much as he does but whenever someone comes in and carries a document he takes a a snap and he very kindly gave us the pics this week the full pictures and after a bit of whodunit we found out it was actually the most senior permanent secretary in the Department for Education who who actually himself had released his own document detention and and he didn't get his his, his knuckles wrapped but um, he, he did help the public discourse in revealing that because, you know, Theresa May at the 1922 committee, we learned, told Tory MPs she wants an element of selection. I think that phrase is really interesting, an element of selection, because I think the way that Justine Greening carried herself in the chamber today, suggested she's not overly keen. She said she's not going to go back to the 11 plus. They can see how toxic this is, how it could be a possible poll tax. They're not stupid. They're now actually, don't forget, in the 1950s, one of the reasons that Margaret Thatcher abolished lots of grammar schools and created lots of comps as, as education secretary is because lots of Tory voters were really upset that their kids weren't getting into grammar schools. 
and were being effectively displaced by some of the working class kids. It's great irony of the whole debate. But what was interesting today was Greening was very circumspect. And I suspect we're probably going to get the full thing tomorrow, by the way, newsflash. Um, well, not, not every bit of it, but we'll get more detail, I suspect, tomorrow. There might be an element of trying to tear up Tony Blair's 1998 edict on no more selection. That, that may be too much to wear for the laws. But more importantly, I think you're going to see a sort of finessing free schools maybe with uh, a partial selection. So it won't be full-blown grammars. It won't be a return to that old-fashioned system of, you know, sorting the wheat from the chaff at the age of 11. And I think it will be free schools and and others will be allowed an element of selection. And that's the way they'll say, look, we're boosting it. We're not doing anyone down. But, but it's still incredibly tricky. The thing with the grammar school debate is everyone always talks about it and they assume their kids will go to the grammar schools, right? No one ever goes to a grammar school. My kids won't go there. They're thick. Um, I think that the, the, um, there's been some stuff written about this, and, and, and like Paul said, it was a big issue in, in the 60s leading up to, to Labour winning in 64. Um, but there is this idea that actually doesn't help any, doesn't help the people that he's trying to help. And there's lots of research and statistics gone into this, which Angelina talked about there. So why do the Tories keep coming back to this, do we think? Is it because they, it's just a... I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to know why, why, despite all the evidence showing this doesn't achieve what you want it to achieve, despite the kind of anecdotal evidence, why do they... Any ideas, anyone? Why they keep going back to it? I'm looking at Ned and Martha well, here. I suppose for some, for some of the Tory MPs who went to a grammar school, it's yeah. their experience. It's also about the idea of social mobility. It's kind of the conservative approach to social mobility, isn't it? So that it's a way of being. I suppose if you're a particular type of Tory MP, it's kind of softening the Tory image, but it's about hoping helping the working class, and that's why. But like you say, I think the big thing they'll miss out on is, is that they always think people go to the grammar schools. Why isn't this debate? If you're Labour. You can make this debate about recreating secondary yeah, models. Exactly. Exactly. Why don't you frame it like that? And obviously, as Paul says, it's not going to be this exact replica of the system that used to exist. But in a in a debate, that's how you would think you could paint it. You talked there about Tory MPs who've gone to grammar schools. This week's oh, quiz. Oh, oh yeah. no! Uh, I'm going to give you some MPs. I know Ned's, Ned's, Ned knew about this quiz in advance, and Ned is against it on like <laughs> like some sort of ethical ground, right? Because <laughs> apparently, you can't judge people on the schools they went to. I'm not judging them, Ned. Let's put the information into the public sphere, okay? You can judge the parents. Yeah. So, did Tim, <laughs> did Tim, did Tim Farron go to a grammar school? Oh. Yeah. That's the Lib Dem leader. I don't for... think... Uh, hold on. He, uh, he's born and bred in Lancashire, and I don't think that bit of Lancashire I'm, has grammar schools. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Martha? I'm also going to say no. Okay. No. You are correct to say no. He went to Lostock High yeah. School. Uh, Does this quiz have a name, by the way? Uh, yeah. What go on. Did these politicians go to grammar right. school? <laughs> no, is there a, an option for the answers as we uh, dearly love? Um, yeah. Come on. G grammar or bog standard? That's better. Well, That's it's really work. Someone to private school. Yeah. Anyway, Philip Hammond. Um, I know Philip ooh. Hammond went to a comp. Well, he's, he's, Paul's ruined it. So. Well, Paul was ruined so, it. He did. He went sorry. to Shenfield School. Bog standard. I talked to him about it once. So he was at the same comp as Richard Maidley. He was. He was a goth as well. Teenage yeah. goth. Uh, Amber Rudd. Oh, I know where she went. She went to a. I think she went to a state. She, no, she went she to not? I think North London Collegiate. She went to a private school. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, she, she's very posh, isn't she? She did yeah. the arist she was the aristocracy coordinator on yeah. four weddings. Yeah. Yo, yeah. you're you're you are right that she went to a private school. She went to Cheltenham Ladies College. I think she went to North London Collegiate. Uh, as well. Let's anyway. uh, Robert Halfon, who is of course a minister in the education department. Robert Halfon. 
he sounds know. like Big, a grammar school yeah, boy. Isn't he? He's smart, working class. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's a typical grammar. grammar school boy, surely. He's not a grammar school boy. Oh. He's an independent school oh. boy. Highgate school. Nick Gibb, Minister for Schools. Did he go to a grammar school? <sighs> Miles is looking at Paul really worried, like as if as I if this know. matters. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect he's he, I was trying to read did. which way Paul's going so then I can quickly yeah. come in and, I suspect he did. and say it. Martha? Um, don't look at Paul. I don't know. Oh, okay, yes. Yes, he did. Well Good. done. Okay, he went to Maidstone yeah. Grammar no. School. Uh, let's do some historical ones quickly. Uh, Clement Attlee? Definitely went to Haleybury Public he School. He did. You Definitely, right I knew Haleybury. that as well. Uh, yeah, well done, Ned. Um, Harold Wilson? Wilson went to grammar school, didn't he? He did. Yeah, definitely, okay, he definitely did, yeah. did, yeah. And George Galloway. Why does Paul know so much about Wales? Well, oh, it's, it's a bit scary. George Galloway. It? Where did George Galloway go? Um, Scottish. They don't have grammar schools, surely. So, normal school. I don't know. Yeah, bog, bog standard. I'm sticking to the rules here of the names. No one else is. He sort of went to a grammar school. What does that mean? Oh. He went to a selective school that wasn't known as a grammar. Oh. Exactly what they're going to bring in, presumably. Yeah, well, so basically, maybe George Galloway's drafted the policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, terrifying. Um, so that was this week's quiz. Not a good, not, not a good one, let's be honest. Uh, but PMQs resumed this week, as has this podcast. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn read out questions from a script, and then Theresa May read out some jokes from a script. But there were some actual sort of news lines. Here is Corbyn asking about housing. The former Prime Minister, the Right Honourable Member for Whitney, promised that there would be a one-for-one replacement for every council house that is sold under right to buy. Sadly, the reality is there's only one for every five that are sold. I have to say to the Right Honourable Gentleman that actually in relation to the figures on council houses, he's wrong. Uh, We have delivered on the one-for-one replacement on the right to buy. Now, Martha Gill... Hello. You uh, looked into housing, uh, this, this issue, and it seems that the government were not quite right on whether or not there was one one replacement. Uh, one-to-one replacement, yeah. Well, I mean, they were sort of technically right if you looked at what they actually promised. So, so, so they sort of... Theresa May said that she had, she had replaced every council household under right to buy with another one. Uh, Corbyn said she hasn't. If you look at the actual figures, Corbyn seems to be right because so far they've only replaced about one in 10 of their council houses sold off. If you look at what they actually promised, they promised to start a new council house within three years of selling off one and also only to replace those uh, which uh, which were sold off as a result of a discount they brought in in 2012. Right. So... Under that very fudged, almost uncheckable uh, <laughs> set of uh, considerations, um, they seem to have wriggled out of it. But but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the sort of one to one replacement that any reasonable person would would kind of expect. And there's also an issue to the house building as well that you brought up. Yeah, so this was something the government were flat out wrong about. Uh, Theresa May said house building had gone up under the Tories, and uh, Corbyn said it had gone it was up under Labour and gone down under the Tories. And Corbyn was right. Uh, there were sort of I think there were 190,000 uh, built every year um, under Tories, and, and and about 150,000 built every year under under Labour. So, but then I, I guess you, if you look at that, um, it seems to have a lot to do with the recession. Um, and also, if you look at the number of houses built, uh, sort of social housing built, it, it, that that's higher under the Tories. So, right. um, yeah, so you pay your money, you take your choice. You can sort of read these stats either way. But it does seem like certainly on 
house building that it was the, the Theresa May wasn't. Yeah, Theresa May was. Theresa May was was. She needs to do a bit more prep, doesn't she? I mean, she also quoted from a, a Twitter user, didn't she? She did. And and uh, that Twitter user has been revealed to have a rather colourful Twitter history. Well, Paul, you have just lovely tied up, uh, teed up the oh. end clip of this week's podcast. Thank you much for listening. Just to um, before we play the clip of Theresa May trying to tell a joke at Cormac's expense and not really succeeding. Uh, we have an announcement to make, everyone. If you're still listening out there, anyone. We are taking this Commons People podcast out on the road. Yeah. Yay. Bit more excitement, guys, because <laughs> you are coming with us. Yay. Hey. Yeah, wonderful. We're going to do uh, a couple of live podcasts at party conferences. We're going to do one in Liverpool for Labour and one in Birmingham for the Conservatives. Uh, the one in Liverpool is going to be held on the Monday evening at 6 o'clock and we have got Wedge Streeting and Alison McGovern, who'll be appearing. And then for the Conservatives, we have Heidi Allen appearing, and that's on Monday, October the 3rd, again at 6 o'clock. Full details are on the website of venues. Come along, you can ask questions, take part in the quiz, tell us how rubbish we are, and generally just sort of be part of this amazing project. And we've given it even a new name, haven't we? We have. Owen? We've called it Pubcast, because it's in a See. pub. Ned, what are you laughing at? It's just you. Okay, maybe. good. Okay, this is the clip of Theresa May in PMQs, and we'll speak to you next week. Cheers. I did notice that the Right Honourable Gentleman had asked all his Twitter followers what questions he should ask me uh, this week, so I thought I would. Um, I thought I'd look to see what sort of responses he'd received. I have to say that the first one was quite good. In fact, he might want to make sure he stays sitting down for this. Lewis writes. Does she know that in a recent poll on who would make a better Prime Minister, <laughs> Don't Know scored higher than Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 